0: This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast.
1: We are your study buddies for neonatology topics.
0: I'm Dr. Ben Korsha.
1: And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbeau.
0: Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Wednesday. We are talking about caffeine. We're talking about apnea of prematurity and uh, Daphne, everything okay?
1: Yeah. Did you learn any new opening greetings at the TED conference?
0: Um, <laughs> no, I did not. But yes, I am at <laughs> TED and um, and it is very exciting. Um, we are um, live tweeting from TED all week, uh, trying to bring you some of the ideas that are being Um, talked about at TED 2022 um, and we have more uh, things in the works uh, with TED so stay tuned um, Mm -hmm. as the incubator is uh, shooting for the stars. (laughs) Uh, We're trying aren't we? (laughs) Listen um, the, the driving force behind the incubator is to promulgate evidence-based practices that if they reach the target audience should help babies survive or have better outcomes and that is a powerful driving force so we're not going to mm-hmm. stop um okay so okay, today, on that <laughs> today on that note um we um so you're, the reason I'm saying this is because I'm talking about a lot of the stuff that we're doing at the incubator with people at TED. Mm-hmm. And the response is is very invigorating because people appreciate um, the need to help critically young newborns. So mm-hmm. it's very exciting. On that note, pulmonary question 55. Uh, <laughs> Daphno, apnea of prematurity is a common clinical S- manifest...
1: Saving lives uh, one board review question at a time.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay i mean people some some people i mean i'm talking about for example in france um we don't have access to this many board review questions for neonatology yeah. specifically no, no it's, um, it's
1: a real problem access yeah, to information um,
0: is it's a, a it's a it's a it's a true privilege to be able to um yeah okay so question 55 apnea of prematurity is a common clinical manifestation in preterm infants however the causal pathway leading to apnea prematurity have not been completely elucidated. All of the following physiological observation in preterm infants are thought to play a role in the causation and or aggravation of apnea prematurity, except. So out of all the things I'm going to talk about, um, many of them have been involved in the um, causation or aggravation of apnea prematurity. Find the um, intruder. Is that how we say it? Find the intruder?
1: I don't, we don't we've never said that before
0: <laughs> in french that i'm literally translating from french so um that's
1: what that's how you say like the wrong answer yeah find the okay. uh yeah. find the intruder. <laughs> say it again in french
0: Trouver, which means find l'intrus, which means the intruder which is ah. like the, the the one that shouldn't be there
1: yeah no we don't yeah we there don't you go that. i learned <laughs> we do learned. now
0: so choice a decreased activity of adenosine choice b decreased ventilatory response to increasing co2 choice c enhanced laryngeal chemoreceptor inhibitory reflex choice d hypoxic ventilatory depression choice e increased tidal volume with minimal increase in frequency in response to increasing co2 So out of all the things I just mentioned, one of them does not play a role in the causation and or aggravation of apnea of prematurity. Daphna is gonna walk us through a little bit of the pathophys and we'll come back to that question at the end. Go ahead, Daphna.
1: Yeah, so anybody who's been acutely studying for the boards or following along with us, this is like not a new concept question, but we're trying to, you know, dig, dig a little deeper. So let's talk about the basics of apnea prematurity. So apnea is defined as cessation of breathing for greater than 15 seconds. It's typically accompanied by bradycardia and or desaturation. This is in... Um, contrary to periodic breathing, which is defined as three respiratory pauses with more than three seconds between over 20 second period. And, you know, periodic breathing is that, that, that thing you, you, uh, encountered all the time in the pediatric ER that, that parents are coming in for terrified, obviously, about. And apnea is traditionally classified into three categories, central, obstructive, or mixed. And the exact mechanism of apnea of prematurity is still not um, completely elucidated, but we do understand that it's really multifactorial, and especially that apnea of prematurity is really a mix of central and peripheral apnea, um, that there's central components and obstructive components for our little babies. Um, and obviously the obstructive components um, are not modified by caffeine, which is something we're talking about this episode. But let's talk about the the peripheral components of, apnea of prematurity. So we know that the carotid, bar, carotid body um, chemoreceptors are immature, just like the rest of the baby is. And um, those sensors, which typically um, sense arterial O2, CO2, and pH do not function the way that they're supposed to. We know um, that there's the laryngeal chemoreflex is also implicated in apnea prematurity when the laryngeal mucose is irritated basically by anything An inhibition of breathing is mediated by the superior laryngeal nerve. And in lots of animal studies, this reflex is actually more prominent in the preterm animal compared to term animals, um, which is why we think that it affects the preterm baby more than the term baby. Um, we also know that our um, preterm infants have an excessive bradycardia response to basically anything that causes bradycardia. And then all the central components, we know that they overall have a delayed central nervous system development and immaturity. Um, in particular, they have decreased central chemosensitivity. So there's a decreased ventilatory response to hypercarbia. So as the CO2s rise um, Typically, for children, for adults, um, even older babies, um, we would increase the respiratory rate. But in the preterm infant, they increase tidal volume instead of respiratory rate, which is less efficient. Yeah, they have they um, don't they don't have they don't have much
0: reserves to uh, dig. <laughs> right. Yeah. that's exactly
1: right. That's exactly right.
0: But to go, but probably, to go back to the laryngeal reflex, ahead. I'm sorry. So mm-hmm. what you were saying was mm-hmm. that in preterm babies, the uh, mm-hmm. laryngeal reflex is exaggerated is that correct
1: yeah like overactive overactive right
0: which i find interesting because if you had to attribute anything to uh mechanisms in preterm infants you would say oh they're immature they're not responsive Mm -hmm. but this one somehow is overly active and it's not really helping our situation
1: (laughs) for sure for sure absolutely okay that makes sense um the other thing that's probably like The craziest, most terrifying thing about preterm babies is that they have this hypoxic ventilatory depression. So hypoxia in these babies leads to, um, instead of increases in ventilation, decreases in ventilation. Um, We don't really understand why this happens, um, especially because in a lot of um, episodes, um, apnea actually precedes hypoxia but we definitely think it plays a role and then finally one of the bigger central components of which caffeine um, majorly targets is adenosine so adenosine is an upregulated inhibitory neurotransmitter so it's like a double negative which plays a role in inhibiting the phrenic and hypoglossal nerve um so um Overactivation of adenosine receptors is part of apnea of prematurity. So thus, pathways resulting in apnea of prematurity involved increased action of adenosine, not decreased action ad- of adenosine, which was answer A in our question, um, which was the accept or the intruder, which we found.
0: <laughs> so, so basically, right, adenosine, when it binds to the receptor, tells you, you're tired and you should just
1: mm-hmm.
0: check out. <laughs> uh, that's exactly and right. And then you give somebody caffeine and caffeine will take the place of adenosine on these receptors and not allow you to feel tired and keep you breathing, I guess, if you're a preterm infant.
1: Yeah. Or all of us, I all guess. <laughs> that fa- works that's for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's super cool. So, I mean, 're still we, we're still studying and learning um, this methylzane things group and all of the actions that they have and they're numerous um, the one you talked about again the most, Probably salient is um, decreasing apnea and prematurity, like you said, by inhibiting adenosine activity. So that's exactly right. They bind the receptors; they get in the way, so that adenosine can't bind. Um, and this antagonism is the drug's primary means of CNS um, s- stimulation.
0: And, that, and that's and that's the-, the biggest argument for people who are against caffeine in adults, right? They're saying. It will right. mask the feeling of being tired, but your body is nonetheless still very much tired, right? Muscular fatigue and all that stuff is still there. It's just tricking your brain into making you feel like you are not tired and that you should keep going. I mean, in the case of preterm infants, it's a whole different discussion, but
1: right, we need them to keep going. <laughs> but you're right; as soon as that co- that cup of coffee wears off or cup of tea wears off, you you're you're feeling worse than you did yeah, before. Yeah. You yeah, should be feeling more tired. <laughs> That's right. Um so the other ways that methylxanthines work is they increase calcium uptake still via adenosine mediated um channels um but for calcium. And this is especially true in the diaphragm. So they increase diaphragmatic contraction and they have an in- effect on increased skeletal muscle tone like throughout the, the thorax to help um with with the work of breathing. Um they also ask, act as a phosphodiesterase inhibitor. And so, when I read this, it's going to sound familiar to you if you've been studying for the boards recently. So, um, the methylzain things like can't caffeine cause an intracellular increase in levels of cyclic adenosine monophosphate, cyclic, cyclic AMP, and cyclic guanosine monophosphate, cyclic GMP. Um, much like pulmonary hypertension. That's, that's right, that we learned. Sildenafil and milrinone act um, to, to preserve the the nitric oxide pathway, um, in pulmonary hypertension. Phosphodiesterase inhibitor
0: just, three, as you if you remember, as we talked uh-huh. on the board review podcast, that the three, that's if right. you flip it ninety degrees, it looks like an M, for milrinone. milrenone.
1: Milrenone. Yeah. and phosphodiesterase five, that was your other, it's, um, mnemonic was five, like looks like an S, like sildenafil. There you go. Um, and so both of those act um, to to increase um, pulmonary vasodilation, which is exactly how caffeine is working as well. Um, the the nitric discussion that's a discussion for another episode. But in terms of how we use um, caffeine as a phosphodiesterase inhibitor, um, like I said, it causes bronchial smooth muscle relaxation, pulmonary vessel vasodilation, diuresis, CNS stimulation. And cardiac stimulation, um, which is really cool because that was the initial hypothesis for using caffeine um, in the studies that you talked about on, mm-hmm. on Monday. The other thing it does, it's a histone deacetylase activator, which didn't even that I did not know any of that. It didn't sound familiar at all to me. Uh, But it increases recruitment of histone deacetylase to areas of inflammation and then prevents the transcription of genes for inflammatory mediators and thus also exerts an anti-inflammatory effect. And overall, it increases, caffeine increases minute ventilation, increases metabolic rate, and increases oxygen consumption. So that's how it works. Um, A little bit more about the pharmacokinetics we know that the root of administration of caffeine does not affect its pharmacokinetics and thusly there's almost complete bioavailability after administration either orally or IV. so
0: so if you were a physician who's always like me dreamed of like what if i could inject an iv drip inject caffeine yeah. into my veins doesn't matter <laughs> so you say ma'am <laughs> it's matter. like dexamethasone you know i still i will still be convinced that iv is better <laughs>
1: Yeah, so now now you know. Now you know. Don't try to do it any other way. Just just drink your caffeine.
0: You could drink the IV vial (laughs) PO then.
1: Yeah, I suppose suppose you could. All right, we're getting off topic here. Sorry. All right, caffeine is absorbed rapidly from the GI tract with minimal to no first-pass metabolism, and its peak plasma concentrations... Um, Usually occur in less than an hour, which is totally useful um, clinically because if you think that apnea is related to low caffeine levels, you should expect improvement pretty rapidly after administration of a new caffeine loading dose. Um, It's rapidly distributed into the brain and in the preterm infants, the levels of caffeine in the CSF approximate the plasma levels. Crazy. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Transformation of caffeine occurs in the liver and is um, definitely mediated by the P450 system. Um, That's another (laughs) hallmark of studying for the boards. Um, And so we know that its metabolism in the preterm infant is limited by immaturity of these hepatic enzymes. Um, We know that drugs like ketoconazole and cementidine inhibit caffeine metabolism through the P450 system, and drugs like the antiepileptics phenytoin and phenobarbital, on the other hand, induce caffeine metabolism through the P450 system. Mm -hmm. So dosing may need to be adjusted if there's concomitant use of these medications. The caffeine half-life may be prolonged further in exclusively breastfed infants and infants with cholestatic jaundice, which I didn't... Know. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and in the first few weeks of life, caffeine is eliminated mainly by renal excretion. And so elimination is definitely slower in the preterm um, uh, infant compared to the term infant and in the term neonate compared with older children and adults because of renal immaturity. Um, a few more side notes uh, about the toxicity of caffeine, which honestly, other than tachycardia, I really don't think about um, but this is seen at really high levels like 40 to 50 uh, which is much higher than the the target therapeutic range they do include tachycardia but also cardiac failure pulmonary edema hypertonia sweating and metabolic disturbances um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is all of the cool ways caffeine can actually caffeine levels can be measured if you're a unit that wants to measure caffeine can, can i say can i say um, something about
0: side effects yeah the one thing I, I, yeah. I, I was reading about that i think is notable as well is that yes caffeine can cause seizures like if you if you mm. really go into right. astronomical levels however even at moderately higher doses it at least will lower your seizure threshold um, mm-hmm. and so if you have a baby who seizure could be a concern this is something to consider where um at least the seizure is the seizure threshold is lowered uh, because of, of high doses of caffeine. So I thought that that's not really a true side effect. It's an indirect side effect probably, but something I think worthy to consider.
1: Yeah, and I I mean, that's actually, now that you're saying it, it's familiar to me from our counseling when we had older children who had seizure disorders mm-hmm. about the use of caffeine. Um, so that's, yeah, yeah, definitely something to think about. Um you know there's a lot of debate about whether we should be following caffeine levels and some units do some units don't um because we know so much about the pharmacokinetics we can we can Basically predict what it'll look like, but obviously um, it depends on the individual baby's, you know, hepatic and renal function for sure. There's such an interplay of everything else going on. But of note, caffeine levels can be measured in plasma, saliva, or urine, and there's been some recent studies using dried blood spots, like we do with the newborn screen, um, so that we can make caffeine monitoring um, less invasive um, and using very little blood. Um, those were the big things That was very helpful. I wanted to get through so, today.
0: Um, <clears throat> thank you for that. And let's just go back to our question to try to close the loop. So we were looking at um, physiologic observations in preterm infants that uh, play a role in the causation and or aggravation of apnea prematurity. And we were looking for the odd one out. So um, choice A was decreased activity of adenosine. And choice B was decreased ventilatory response to increasing CO2. Choice C was enhanced laryngeal chemoreceptor inhibitory reflex. Choice D was hypoxic ventilatory depression. Choice E increased tidal volume with minimal increase in frequency in response to increasing CO2. So the incorrect um, pathway was decreased activity of adenosine. And we've talked about that, right? How it is... um, Um, blocking the receptors of adenosine um, that is responsible for um, that's that's sort of how caffeine works Um, so it's definitely um, we we want to cause decreased activity of adenosine to prevent apnea prematurity Um, so yeah so this was the uh, incorrect pathway i hope that makes sense all the others were discussed and Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah thank you thank you for for going through them okay Anything else before we close the show, Daphna?
1: I think that's it. All right. See you you tomorrow. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to NICUpodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUpodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.